Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and we are very happy to continue our special series celebrating Janet Jackson's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by speaking to Grammy Award-winning rapper, songwriter, and producer, Missy Elliott. Missy and Janet have been friends for many, many years, have collaborated on several tracks together, and have nothing but love for one another, and we are so grateful to have Missy celebrate Janet's induction with us here on the show. Missy, welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm humbly grateful, and most definitely I, I had to be here for this one. Awesome. So I got to start off by asking you, how did Janet and her music come into your life? When did you actually become a fan? Oh, man. Uh, she had a song called Young Love, actually. Um, a lot of fans probably don't even remember that song. And then I was a fan then... Because, you know, just being a Jackson, period. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just being a Jackson, you just like a fan of the Jacksons. And when she did Control, I was like, I, I remember um, putting the video to Control on my VCR tape, which people probably don't even remember that. VCR <laughs> tape, over and over, I, I taped the video and I would just watch it over and over and try to learn to dance stuff. So that's what I became a, a true Janet Jackson fan. What do you think it is about Janet that resonates not only with you as uh, an artist, but also as a performer? Oh, man, there's so many things about Janet. I, one thing that I saw uh, with, with Janet is what she put into her shows. That's the major thing. Like, she did, when Janet performs, she always have given 110%. She gets up there and, and her uh, production was always on 100. And then the dancing, she never missed a beat. And just her with classic records, I mean, she was, Janet has been the whole package. Um, you know, a lot of times you may say, hey, you know, this person, they sing very well, but they stage presence not so much or the whole package the whole time. That's fantastic. Now, I know the fans are going to freak out when I ask you this question. When was it that you and Janet actually first met in person and what was that experience like? Me and Janet, Janet and I, we met in um, in L.A. And it's so funny because and I started to hit Janet last night like, do you remember where exactly where it was that we met? I can't even remember exactly the place, but it was in LA, and um, it was. I remember it being funny because Gil was there, um, who um, has done a lot of her choreography, and um, Shawnette, who was another person that used to be with Janet a lot. So both of them were there, and I just remember. Janet, they she would ask a question, but she would ask them the question, and then they would ask me, and I was like, "Hey, like, can she talk?" <laughs> so, and they would just laugh at me, like, just you know, because I was always clowning. I'm like, "Why is everybody whispering?" But I I realized that like Janet really talks with this light voice. <laughs> It's not even for play play because I thought maybe, okay, maybe she just does that. But no, she really 
talks like that, but it's funny because she, when she wanted to ask something at first, she uh, would say it to them, and then they would say, Janet said, and I was like, well, this is different, but it's Janet Jackson, so what? And from there, you know, she just would laugh, and she always thought I had, like, a, a country accent, and... I believe we exchanged numbers and we've been friends ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show, legendary rapper and entertainer Missy Elliott. Make sure you follow her on her social media at Missy Elliott. Uh, Missy, Janet has often said how much she loves you as an artist and as a friend. What did it feel like when you realized that Janet is actually one of your biggest fans? And how did it feel uh, also for her to present you uh, with that wonderful speech at Essence's uh, Black Women in Music event last year? Oh, I mean... To hear that Janet is a fan of mine, it's, that still sounds weird. <laughs> and because that's Janet Jackson. And, and um, you know, Janet is someone, her and Michael both, I used to write them when I was little. And, and I would uh, uh, ask my mother to bring home 25 cent stamps every day to write them both to their fan club. So to even think that, you know, Janet have ever listened to my records, even to this day, like, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things in my career, but I still can go out with Janet. And sometimes I'd be saying in my mind, like, that's Janet Jackson. <laughs> and, you know, she's still... Be Janet Jackson to me. Be legendary Janet Jackson. So I am humbly grateful to know that Janet is a fan of anything that I I have done. Um, and when you know we uh, she honored me at the uh, uh, it was a tribute for me. I I, I don't want to say the wrong thing, <laughs> but she to see her there. Um, it was. Wow. I just remember crying, like really breaking down crying um, because it, I, I believe it was Essence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to, to see Janet there, um, I did not expect Janet to be there. I actually thought Janet was over. And when she walked out, how many people, first of all, can say, you know, Janet is just at your tribute. Janet Jackson. Um, and no matter how, you know, close of friends we are, I, like I said, she's still Janet Jackson to me. I I, I have uh, for so many years and just have admired her. Um, and aside from uh, her just being talented, because I know this is not in the questions, but besides her being talented, her heart is humongous. Her heart is just as big as any of the things that I could tell you great about her musically. So for her to be there, I I most definitely was humble. It took me back to the childhood of me writing and, you know, saying, please come pick me up from school. <laughs> and it's like all of those things ran through my mind and, and I will never, ever, ever forget it. I cherish our friendship, everything about it. 
Now, you've got to collaborate with Janet on several tracks, which is amazing because not a lot of people get to collaborate with her even once, but you've done it several times. And I want to take you back to that first collab, uh, Son of a Gun. How did that opportunity come about? And were you able to have fun with it or did you sort of have pressure on yourself because this was your first joint with Janet? The way that Son of a Gun came about was um, through Jimmy Jam. Jimmy Jam reached out to me and said, hey, you know, Janet, and actually I did a a record with Janet, had did a record with her before, but we were in the same room before, like, you know, we had met face-to-face, we talked on the phone. Um, but he, when he called me and said, you know, hey, Janet got this amazing record, and, you know, she wants you to, to uh, be on it, and, you know, she wants you to just go for it. And I'm just like, it was most definitely pressure because no matter what, I don't care how many records uh, I do with Janet, it's going to always be that pressure. Cause it, and when I say this, I truly mean it. It's Janet Jackson to me. And so um, this is somebody that I, I most definitely have been inspired by. And I remember me being like, geez, like, just go for it. Do I curse? Can I curse? I don't know if I really want to curse on a Janet Jackson joy. I don't want to get too raw because they might send it back and be like, it's too much. But he, he reassured me, like, it's cool. Like, just do you. And so um, I think the most <laughs> funniest thing about uh, this record is after I'd done it, I sent it, and he was like, Yo, we love it. And, you know, Janice, she loves it. And then he said, Look, um, I need you to do one more thing. I want you to do some ad libs. And we did the ad libs over the phone. Wow. <laughs> it was like a studio session. It was just over the phone. So that's always been uh, amazing to me. That's awesome. That's so cool. Now, we got the news, you know, just a couple of months ago that Janet is being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you remember where, where you were when you got the news? And what was your initial reaction and feelings that, you know, she's finally getting in there? Um, I actually saw it on Twitter. And my immediate thing was pick up the phone and I hit Jay with Janet and um, told her congratulations. I, my reaction, I mean, you know, the first reaction is, wait. Janet has never been in the Hall of Fame. That was the, the first reaction. And then, you know, instead of harping on that she most definitely should have been in there a long time ago, I said, it, you know, it don't matter what time it is as long as it happens. And she's so deserving of it. She has worked hard for like three decades and given us timeless classic records that uh, will continue to transcend through many generations. So most definitely deserving. I don't think anybody could say she's not deserving of it. When it comes to the African-American music community, can you give us your thoughts on on what Janet and her accomplishments mean to the uh, community at large? Janet's accomplishment to the African-American community is that you know, we can succeed past one one dimension because Janet is global. And I know for me, um, as a little girl, I didn't think that, you know, you could be that big, you could touch 
that many people. I, I, I most definitely was just like, you know, given a, a, a couple of states, but she has became a global superstar. Um, and to, to be able to, to have that leverage and then use it to good, she has most definitely helped so many people. Um, I think it, it, just, it shows us that for the African-American community, it most definitely, for black people, it shows us that we most definitely can, you know, uh, succeed and do, go through any obstacles because Janet has been through uh, many trials and tribulations and have not given up. And that's uh, amazing in itself because, you know, a lot of times you go through stuff and you may feel like quitting. And Janet never quit, and she is stronger than before. So she's most definitely an uh, inspiration to us in the black community. Uh, and just, I wanted to ask you this, Missy. Over the years, you've made no secret, you know, how much of a fan you are of Janet. So I have to ask you, do you actually have a favorite all-time uh, favorite Janet song? And if you could have your pick of one of her classic songs to feature on, what would it have been? Uh, well, both answers would be controlled. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, uh, both will be control. No, I would say. Oh, I mean, it's really hard to say when it comes to Janet records because you're talking about, like I said, almost three decades of music. Uh, the reason why I say control because that's just like I, you know, had that on my tape forever, like my PR tape from the front to back. But then I always think about and I and. and all of Janet's records have always moved me. I, but I always look at the beginning stages of an artist because it's always um, the more vulnerable. And, and, I, and I think about Pleasure Principle because, honestly, that's another one of the ones that you could play that right now behind anything that's on fire on the charts right now. And I'm like, jam to that joint like it just came out. And I, I think because that was the first time that I realized that Janet is a force to be reckoned with because she basically did that whole video by herself and she didn't have, you know, no dancers or anything. And she had the world captivated, like, wow. <laughs> you know, she didn't have no bells and whistles going on. She just had one chance and that chair, everybody went in some part of their house trying to find a chair like that to do that same move. And that record, I always felt like, and that is, you know, if I could ever redo a record, it probably would be Pleasure Principle. That would be sick. That's awesome. And uh, I, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you this, Missy, as you know, because this is one of the reasons why I love you so much, because you're such an amazing entertainer in your own right. But it, you're also like, we know you love Janet, which is just great. And I just want you to tell Janet's fans, what do you want them to know the most about Janet, the person? It's first of all, she loved that thing. Like, she loved just, <laughs> she just loved the night. That's one thing I do want them to know, but I also want them to know that, you know, her, like I said earlier, her heart is humongous, and she's so humble. Somebody that um, would have the resume, as she would say, um, as Janet Jackson, you know, everybody can have that, and 
she never makes you feel less than like. Before I let you go, Missy, I just want to say on behalf of your fans and Janet fans, you know, thank you so much for doing this interview. It really means, uh, you know, the world to us to have heard from you. We truly appreciate, you know, your time and how much you love and support Janet. And also, on behalf of all of your fans around the world, congratulations on your own induction into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I know that's coming up uh, later on this year. It's an amazing comp- compliment. We're so thankful for everything you've done. You've made so many of us laugh and, and dance and just have a great time for so many years. And we just, we love you. Congratulations on all of that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'm humbly grateful. Thank you. That is legendary rapper and entertainer Missy Elliott. Make sure to follow her on her social media at Missy Elliott. Please make sure to give us a follow on all of our social media as well. We'd love that very much. You can hit us up on our website, kellyalexandershow.com, for all the handles. And of course, you can subscribe to our program on all major podcast platforms like Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. But it won't hurt to do it all once more. This is my last hurrah. Right now, it's time to tune in and see what new music is out there. We're going to start with B.B. Rex's Last Hurrah. According to B.B., the song is, quote, a final anthem to all our vices as we seek a new tomorrow and a better us. I love anything that B.B. Rexa does, and so do all of our fans, so we're very happy to have this new song out early in the year. And don't forget that B.B.'s got some dates coming up to perform. She's going to be at some festivals, including a performance at Sunfest in West Palm Beach, Florida, this coming spring. Montreal-based recording artist Stephen Voice has just released an amazing new song called Tap Your Feet, and the moment I heard the song, I was hooked. I must have listened to it three times back to back to back. The song is amazing, combines elements of pop and funk, and the best part is, it makes you happy. Please make sure to support Stephen by heading to his website, voicemusic.com. 24-7, I want you here, I hope you feel the same thing. Award-winning DJ and producer Zed has teamed up with Katy Perry on a new song together called 365. Now, Zed and Katy have actually known each other for a while, and when they were on tour together in Australia last summer, they started working on some new music together, and when they came off tour, they continued to create, and 365 is one of the fruits of their labors. They both co-wrote the track, and Zed produced it. They've already shot the video for the song, by the way, and it is very cool. Definitely check it out. It's very sci-fi, very futuristic. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. We're looking forward to chatting with our next guest, Aaron LaRosa, who is a Los Angeles-based writer who in the past has also worked for BuzzFeed and Netflix. Aaron is used to being in the thick of things when it comes to what is going on in Hollywood behind the scenes, and so we're going to chat to her today about what is the current state of the Me Too movement and if things are really changing for the better in the world of entertainment. Erin, welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you back. We had a great time when we had you on the show uh, last year promoting your book, uh, the, big, uh, the Big Redhead Book, and then also Women's Skills. And so we're happy to have you back. And I wanted to talk, I guess, first, like right off the top, 
when the lid blew off over, you know, it's over a year ago now with the various、uh, Me Too allegations of like ridiculously inappropriate behavior by a lot of entertainment、mm-hmm. industry men and a few women,、uh, what did you think? Did you think to yourself, finally, finally, this is, this is coming out? You know, it's funny because when I was at BuzzFeed, I remember there was a reporter there who kept insisting that there was a huge story that, that Rose McGowan had. That she, she hadn't really told anyone, and she really wanted to be the reporter who got that story. And through context clues, we had pieced together that it was probably about Harvey Weinstein, but it was just this situation of like, you know, will she ever tell this story? And, you know, it would completely change the industry. And then, you know, lo and behold, this, the Me Too movement completely changed everything. And that, that story really did do this enormous. Spiral into everyone else's lives.、Um, but, you know, I, I think everyone was shocked because you just had no idea the extent of how evil and pernicious this behavior was until, you know, everyone just felt kind of energized and, and like they had to tell their own Me Too stories. And it's, it's shocking, it's devastating. Now, the fact that you've been in Hollywood for, for many years now, had you sort of heard things at all through the grapevine? And, and were any of the names that have been brought to the public since the Me Too lid blew off, were any of these names a surprise for you? There were certainly, I think, a lot of people who, who I wasn't really aware of. I, you know, it's interesting what people are not willing to talk about or feel like they cannot talk about. I was surprised、um, by Brendan Fraser's story of being assaulted.、Um, You know, back in his heyday. I was, I think, like everyone else, really horrified by all of the Kevin Spacey accusations,、um, especially because he's just been in so many、um, movies and shows where you, you know, you've come to love him. But I remember after those allegations, I was at a dinner with some friends, and there were probably 15 of us at the party, and at least five people had their own Kevin Spacey kind of like. Encounter or assault stories to share of either their own personal experiences or people they knew who had interacted with him and had been groped or touched inappropriately、um, or been in situations where they were just kind of、um, like had to run basically to, to avoid being assaulted by him. So it's just, it's like a never ending nightmare. And it felt like, especially、um, last year and, you know, during. During the election as well, I think in the US it's such a complicated thing because it's, it's not just Hollywood, it's also this, this Trump administration where you, know, you have a president right now who has said really terrible, awful things about women and you know, admitted to grabbing women without their consent. And it's just all intertwined. It's this culture of don't talk about it, men are allowed to do these things.、Um, you know, And, and they're put in this position of power. So it's, it's complicated and it's messy. And I don't think it's you know, over. And I think it will probably get worse before it gets better. Really, eh? Because I wanted to ask you, too, you know, why you think it took so long, again, for mainly women, but of course, a few men have been affected by this as well, to finally get up the courage to say 
no, like this can no longer happen. This can no longer go on. Because once the Harvey Weinstein situation blew up, then it was like Matt Lauer, Louis C.K., like Brian Singer now. Like mm-hmm. uh, the list just keeps keeps going, although it seems to have, I suppose, quieted down a little bit. Um, but like, yeah, I remember like well, like last December when the Matt Lauer thing broke and I was like, oh, my God, like just things come. Like you said, it, it wasn't yeah, just in Hollywood necessarily, true. but in media and entertainment that way. And then and in politics, too, like because now uh, is it the. Uh, the lieutenant governor of Virginia or something is facing allegations too. Like there's a lot going on. It's just, it's endless. It's like, you know, you try to keep track of like everything that's going on and it's almost impossible because every day is like a new fresh hell for the Me Too movement, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like why I think it took women so long. I mean, you know, I, I think feminism is still a concept that for, for many years, not that long ago, that was like a dirty word for a long time. Um, And you had people like Taylor Swift saying things like, I'm not a feminist for years and years. And only recently has she come around and a lot of other uh, young women to this idea of like, oh, feminism is empowering and it's supposed to be about equality and treating men and women equally. But, you know, we still live in a really patriarchal society and especially in Hollywood, you know, when they've done audits of like, you know, what's the percentage of female directors and how many women are actually in power? It's minuscule. You know, you're, you're talking in, you know, under 10% usually. So these positions of power where we have men in control of who's getting the jobs, um, who's selling scripts, who's going to be running their own shows. Um, it's, it's all leading back to this culture of it's men in power. And so those men are going to dictate the rules. And if you are speaking badly about those men, like you are going to face career, um, ex, I, I guess, like excommunication almost. And you've seen that in a lot of the stories being told, like, I think it was Mina Servino who was talking about like just losing out on tons and tons of roles. And there are all of these women who have come forward and felt comfortable telling their stories, I think, because their careers have already been destroyed because they they push back against people like Harvey Weinstein or, you know, they, they weren't staying quiet um, with their assaults. So I think it's a really complicated issue that really stems back to, you know, Hollywood being a very patriarchal culture. One thing that bothers me a lot about this whole situation, and again, I know nothing's been uh, entirely confirmed yet or however you want to say that, but the whole situation with CBS and Les Moonves, like, I did not oh like gosh, yeah. that, you know, he was obviously, you know, finally dismissed from his position, but then they sort of let it be known that he was going to be on this like retainer for a while or whatever word you want to use where mm-hmm. he'd be helping the transition. And I'm like, are you kidding me? No, he needs to be gone. Like right. this, this shouldn't, that right. shouldn't even be an option. And I couldn't believe it uh, that that was because it was almost like we don't really want to get rid of him, but we'll, we'll do it because of optics, <laughs> but we're going to keep him in the back chamber so we can still, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was appalling to me. Appalling. Yeah. And I think he's getting something like $120 million kind of like exit package, which is insane. Um, and it's, it's hard, I think, to, you know, as women, it's sort of like it were women in power and making these choices. Like, I think he would be out. And I think at the end of the day, like he would be punished more the same way that like Harvey Weinstein has been, I think, still living in Arizona, like going out to dinners wearing wigs so that people don't know who he is. But, or, you know, like Kevin Spacey released that insane YouTube video um, in character as his House of Cards character. Uh, You know, like 
and Louis C.K. is doing stand up again. And it's it's just really, really hard to see that happen because it sends a clear message that even though these men were ostracized, it's more it's more of like a slap on the wrist versus an actual lasting thing that's happening for for now at least because they're they're still engaging in their own careers and their own lives they're not actually being punished joining us on the kelly alexander show is writer aaron la rosa the author of the big redhead book and women's skills you can uh, follow her on instagram and twitter at side of ginger i couldn't agree with you more i think you're right that's the best term ever is that it's a slap on the wrist because these people should be excommunicated as far as i'm concerned and uh, it just seems like it's, yeah, it's like it's this this brotastic, you know, circle mm. of, you know, brothers that's like, oh, well, well you know, we got to do this, <laughs> yeah. but we don't really want to. And it's very frustrating. I wanted to ask you as well, um, do you think that real change is going to happen for, for women when it comes to being treated equally as as just as humans with regards to their pay and with, you know, respect in the Hollywood community at large? Because I still feel like, Yes, this is amazing that the Me Too movement happened. It's sadly that it had to, to begin with, but but grateful that it's now out and about. But I'm wondering if it's really going to have lasting effect. I think, um, in my opinion, it's sort of like the next generation will save us, okay. I hope. Um, <laughs> because I feel like a lot of the people who are still in power in Hollywood, especially, are older. They're male. They're of a certain generation. They have friends who they're still protecting you know, men like Louis C.K., again, are still doing stand-up and being supported and finding an audience for that. So, you know, I do think in the long run, all of these small steps and, you know, the Me Too movement felt more like an avalanche than a small step, but it is a, a small step in the grand scheme of things because I think there's a lot more to come. But I think all of this stuff is building toward change, but I don't think it's going to be overnight, unfortunately. And it may just take an entirely new generation who is more aware of these issues, more open-minded, and have been raised, frankly, with more awareness of these things happening uh, to say no and take a stand and make sure that we are equally represented, equally paid, and part of the conversation instead of being talked around or, you know, uh, punished for for being women. What's your opinion on the fact that this is something I noticed when it was all kind of going down initially? Was that a lot of the names we were getting and the um, the incidents we were hearing about was from the TV and film world? And I didn't hear a lot necessarily about the world of music and the world of literature. And I know that you're obviously in that world um, with regards to, to writing yeah. specifically. What's your take on that? Like, do you, Because for sure there are, I mean, we're hearing now obviously about the R. Kelly situation, those allegations. Um, but yeah. yeah, like I'm sure there are lots of scuzzy music producers and I'm assuming there's a lot, <laughs> lots of, of scuzzy, you know, uh, people that have to deal with, with uh, authors like yourself in the writing world. Totally interesting because it, you're right. Like, I haven't heard as much about that. Like, I remember Kesha's trial very vividly. I remember Taylor Swift's trial with, with the DJ. But um, you're right. Like, there has to be way more stories. And I think that's that's the next wave is, like, what are the other industries that are going to really have their lids popped off? I know that the tech world has been rocked a lot recently with allegations for sure, literature, there have been some stories, but none that have kind of broken the zeitgeist the way that the Harvey Weinstein aspects have. And maybe it's that, you know, for whatever reason, TV and film have people in them who are more well known and you can point to. And, you know, having someone like a Kevin Spacey accused of, of 
sexual assault and I, I shouldn't even say accused like he he is for sure uh, a rapist um but having someone like that who you invite into your living room on a regular basis versus like a music producer maybe it's just kind of the awareness factor of like well a lot of people may not know some of the music producers so maybe there there are these smaller steps being taken but um to your point they're not as visible but i i think that is going to be coming out still and when i said earlier like it's going to get worse before it gets better i just think like there's still so many industries that haven't you know fully fully embraced the me too movement and maybe it's they have a stronger culture of fear I know in literature and in the publishing world, it's a very um, more uptight, very rigid kind of industry where you have um, a lot of old school traditions and people in that industry. So I would imagine um, that would be a huge issue. I remember when I was working at Random House as an assistant, there was an editor there who was known for sleeping with every single assistant on my floor. And... Um, that was just kind of like almost expected. It was like if you were part of this publishing group, it was expected that you were going to sleep with this editor. Um, and it was almost like a career thing. Like, you know, it was expected and it was something that should be um, not not looked on with like pride, but it was sort of like a rite of passage or something, which was really disgusting at the time and still is. Oh my God, that's gross. That's terrible. Terrible, yes, terrible, is. terrible. Um, yes, I, I, I did want to ask you uh, about this as well. I do think there are some decent men in Hollywood, uh, you know, as there are around the world, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I wanted to yeah. ask your thoughts on um, like men's surrogates for women. Like I just heard recently, I think it was Octavia Spencer who made it known that LeBron James uh, stepped up in, on her behalf to make sure she was going to get pay equity. Um, in one of the projects mm-hmm. that she's done. And then, like, for example, you know I'm a huge fan of Janet Jackson and her producer, Jimmy Jam. Like, we recently had him on the show. And he talked a lot about... Uh, like, he's just a, a huge supporter of women artists in general, let alone Janet Jackson. And I just... I even I even took the time to thank him during the interview because I said, we need more men like you who realize that Janet's not a puppet, for example, that she knows how to write a song mm-hmm. and she's just as valuable as you and Terry Lewis were in the success of the Control albums and Rhythm Nation and so on and so on. Do you think that more men need to step up or embrace that role or, or be aware of it? I think the only way we're going to get real change is if men do step up and and take the torch and help women. Um, I You know, because the industry is still so much run by men, it's really only possible that change can happen with those men reaching out a hand and saying, like, let me help you, let me bring you along, let me um, advocate for you, let me be a mentor. Um, And, you know, I I think one of my concerns is that after the Me Too movement, you saw a lot of men in Hollywood saying really bizarre things like, oh, well, now I'm afraid to, to even meet with a woman because, you know, what if she accuses me? And you know, well, I I don't want to hire women because what if they start accusing me? And I think Idris Elba had this really great comment with the Me Too movement where he said, you know, it's only difficult if you're a man with something to hide. And so that was in direct response to, to men in Hollywood saying that this was difficult for them too. And it was putting a lot of pressure on them to act a certain way. And I think, you know, it was great of Idris Elba, this, you know, enormously big public figure who's been in so many films to say something like, 
you know, this is only a problem if, if you are a problematic man. And so really putting the onus on men, because I think when we start saying, like, I don't want to be accused by a women, by women, I'm not going to hire women. You're then blaming women again for and, and making them bigger victims than, than a lot of women already have been. And, you know, like being in a male dominated industry as a woman is hard enough. Like we need our allies. A thousand percent. Yeah. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show, writer Erin LaRosa, the author of The Big Redhead Book and Women's Skills. Uh, make sure to follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Side of Ginger. I wanted to flip the script a little bit on you now because it is uh, or it has been uh, award season and uh, lots yep. has been going on in Hollywood. And I know that you're in the thick of things. So I did want to ask you with regards to the Academy Awards do you think, A, that the show is going to do what it needs to do this year? Because it always feels like it's uh, like two steps behind, and it seems like it's going three and four steps behind as time goes on, especially with the whole uh, Kevin Hart debacle. <laughs> I mean, I think it's anyone's guess how the Oscars are going to be this year. I think over the last two years, it feels like someone behind the scenes is really trying to make an effort to, A, make the Oscars feel more engaging because they're so long so drawn out and and not super fun to watch, but also be more inclusive um, in terms of what films are actually getting nominated and what's being recognized. Like, I think, for example, um, Black Panther is not necessarily a movie that would have been nominated for Best Picture um, a couple of years ago. It's, it's a blockbuster. It's um, a very traditional kind of like Disney superhero film. Um, and so that's not something that you would normally see. Um, in the best picture category, you're, you're looking more at at movies like Roma for that kind of thing. So it's an interesting time. I have no idea how they're going to address um, the kind of Me Too movement that is still ongoing or or the Kevin Hart debacle. And like, I'm sure they're going to acknowledge that in some way, but I don't know. It, it's feeling a lot like the Oscars know that they are no longer speaking to the right audience and they need to figure out how to speak to the right audience. But again, you know, the Academy and the people who are deciding on who's getting nominated are still older white men predominantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's like them, they're trying to lead us out of the darkness into something, but how can you do that if you're part of the problem? I'm not sure. Right, which actually brings me back to the situation with the Grammys when um, Neil Portnow said what he said last year. And I know people said that he was taken out of context or misunderstood, and that's not what he meant, but it still didn't come out very well. And, you know, very frustrating. Obviously, this year with the Grammys, there was many more female artists included, which was fantastic. Um, And I know he's leaving his post, so that's fine. But yeah, I think they need to put somebody in there that that has a clue, because he definitely fits. And and I have nothing against the man, necessarily. Uh, Just didn't appreciate his comments last year. But he is the epitome um, of falling in that group of old white man category. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think for the most part, a lot of older white men don't even realize that they might be saying something offensive or that they aren't being inclusive and they're not thinking about diversity and their audience when they're making these comments because they've come from such a place of privilege and like such a pedestal that it's just, you know, they're so far up that they can't look down and see who they're actually talking to at this point. When it comes to the major categories, uh, and for me, that kind of means supporting actress, actor, you know, main actor or lead actor, I should say, lead actress, and of course, um, best picture and best director. Uh, what are your thoughts? And we'll start with uh, best supporting actress. 
Okay, so I think um, for me, I'm I'm kind of on team uh, Roma for a lot of these, and I'm I, I know that that's that's probably not what everyone's been watching. The the other film that I do think though is going to get a lot of like best actress wins is the favorite, which I don't know if you've seen that one. No, but I, I know of it, and I know that uh, they've been... It is so been, great. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll get on that. I'll get on it. It is so great, um, and I think um, probably Rachel Weiss would win for that, for Best Supporting Actress. Best Supporting Actor for me. I mean, I it, the category is so hard because it's just filled with wonderful actors, but I really loved Black Klansman, and I think Adam Driver was fabulous in it. Um, Mahershala Ali is just at any time I watch him, I want to give him all the awards. So I think he could take that too. Um, I know that A Star Is Born was a huge fan favorite, so Sam Elliott definitely has a chance there. Um, in terms of the best actress, best actor category, you know, I I think Lady Gaga probably has a lot of online support. I don't think she'll actually win in this category. I do think best actress likely will go to Glenn Close because she has never won this award before. It would be a really great headline the next day. And then for best actor, I think my money is going to be on Remy Malek. I don't know if you saw Bohemian Rhapsody, but he is absolutely brilliant in it. Despite all of the turmoil that went on behind the scenes in that film, he is incredible. He just nails that performance so well. Um, And then, you know, for best director, I think, hands down, it's going to be Alfonso Cuaron. He's won every single award uh, for for director leading up to the Oscars. So all signs are pointing to Alfonso. And for best picture, I think Roma has a really, really strong chance, which would be incredible uh, because it, it also has the opportunity to win best foreign film. So it could be quite a story around that. But I, I think probably the fan favorites there would be A Star is Born or Bohemian Rhapsody or Black Panther. I did want to get this opinion out of you before I let you go with regards to Lady Gaga, because at the start of award <laughs> season, everybody was like, oh, my God, like, she's so great as an actress. And it's like unbelievable. And I can't believe this. And I'm like, where were you like a year ago or whenever it was? Because didn't she win the Golden Globe back then or something or like two years ago for American Horror Story? So, like, this is not yeah, a surprise. I mean, she's been acting. You're right. Yeah, like, like this, this is, is not a not surprise. For her. Yeah. So I was, mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe that all the headlines were like, she's like, no doubt this is her first, like, leading role and all that sort of stuff with regards to a film. But it did not surprise me by any stretch that she managed to knock it out of the ballpark. You know what I mean? So, um, but also your t- yeah. take on it, I guess, would be, um, like you said, I think she's a fan favorite, f- you know, especially for her demographic, but I don't think she's going to walk away with it. I don't think old Hollywood is ready to pass over to the lady from the meat dress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a good way of putting it. You know, I think it's really interesting with her, too, because if you listen to Bradley Cooper. Cooper speak about um, directing her, he paused production for two months so that she could get training with various acting coaches and feel really, really comfortable and like she was embodying that role. And I think anyone who has seen that film has wept very openly and very loudly. Like she really, really does a great job of pulling you into the film. Um, her vocals are obviously and always out of control amazing. And she she pulls out this stellar, beautiful, touching, moving performance. But to your point, like, okay, is the 65-year-old white Academy voter like going to necessarily vote for Lady Gaga? Probably not this year. Um, and I know that 
especially with the Oscars, a lot of what they think about are headlines the next day. So they want something that feels monumental or life-changing or important to give more importance to awards like the Oscars because in the at the end of the day, like, the Oscars don't really mean anything. Like, the Bohemian Rhapsody was still an enormous hit, even though it got largely panned by critics. So, like, who's right in this situation? Like, I think people would say that Bohemian Rhapsody was a win of a film, and I know that it's like, you know, if my mom could pick Oscar winners, she would be picking... Bohemian Rhapsody for all of them. Um, but, you know, a lot of the Oscars are just, it's its about, a, it's like a popularity contest. It's like the ultimate high school game. Yeah, exactly. And which leads me to my last question. Do you ever think, let's say, because I, I as much as I love her and I've interviewed her before and I think she's authentic and, and she really is that artistic phenomenon, Lady Gaga, um, I don't know at least in the current climate, that she will ever get an Academy Award in the next little while, you know, for example. And I I wonder, too, like, have we jumped the shark uh, with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? Like, are they going to get some sort of legend award when they're 80? Yeah, I mean, I think with Lady Gaga, it's hard because roles like this don't always come around for, for singers. And, um, you know, Beyonce has been in a couple of films as well. But when you're at that level, that, like, kind of stratospheric pop star level, like, you're not going to be in the indie films necessarily like you know you do have to wait for the right role and I don't know that she necessarily wants to pivot completely to be in films you know like she's definitely one of those tour de force performers who can clearly do whatever she wants and knock it out of the park but because of that it means that her chances I think are are fairly limited in terms of getting another nomination right and then second part of your question was about Tom Cruise and was it Brad Pitt? Ooh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, like I realize like yes, Tom Brad hasn't Pitt. done sort of any like big art, artsy film recently, but I'm just wondering like it's always kind of been like I don't know. I, I, it's not that I'm some huge Tom Cruise fan or anything by any stretch, but I just I don't know. In in his heyday, it just seemed like it was almost like the thing to do was to screw him over. And the same thing with Brad Pitt. Yeah, I mean. It's funny because you brought up their names and like, you know, I know that Tom Cruise did Mission Impossible this past year. Um, Brad Pitt, I'm like, I'm like, gosh, was he in anything this past year? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, and I don't think so. So, but, you know, like people have ebbs and flows in this industry. I think, you know, you'll often see someone disappear, even someone like Glenn Close, who yeah. probably people wrote off mm-hmm. um, for a long time because you know, she had a career and she was in movies, but, you know, look at her now. She's nominated and likely going to win. So, you know, I think ideally, if you're in Hollywood, you have a long career, but that means that you may not be the Meryl Streep where you're like in a movie every single year that's going to be nominated. But um, <laughs> it's true. yeah, so I, I feel like they might come around again. Thank you so much for this. I love having you on the show and I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to come back on again soon. Is that cool? Yes, I can't wait. I'm I'm available. Perfect. Uh, That is writer Erin LaRosa, the author of the Big Redhead book and Woman Skills. Make sure to follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Side of Ginger. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. And of course, a big shout out to both of our guests, Missy Elliott and Aaron LaRosa. Of course, my thanks going to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for keeping us on the rails. And we'd love for you to subscribe to our show by checking out major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. And of course, you can check out our newsletter, tinyletter.com 
slash Kelly Alexander Show. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.